Hello and welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I will be talking to Lisa Edwards. She's a master resume writer, a certified job search strategist, a certified executive and leadership development coach, an award-winning podcaster of the exclusive Career Coach, a master practitioner of the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, and an international speaker on job search topics. We will be talking about how you can develop your mind to act as a primary tool for career advancement. I am your host, Jeff Perry. I'm the founder of More Than Engineering, and I'm a leadership and career coach for engineers. And this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. It's the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Now, before we get started, I just want to mention that this is a free show and our sponsors help us to keep it free. So I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Washington State University. Washington State University's Engineering and Technology Management Master's Degree Program is a perfect balance of technical and managerial education that helps prepare practicing engineers for managing projects, people, and organizational systems. As one former student noted, the knowledge that I gained from the ETM program helped me become a more competent, confident engineer and manager. The program greatly impacted my career and has been a key element in my continued success. You can learn more about the engineering management profession at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm at wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. Now let's jump right in. Now it's time to jump right into the main segment of our episode. Today, I'm talking with Lisa Edwards. Lisa, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thank you so much. It was sort of by happenstance that we met a few weeks ago, and it was this immediate connection, and uh, we decided to be on each other's podcast, and I'm thrilled to be here today. Absolutely. I always love talking to people and getting to know you more. So as we get started here, do you mind telling our audience a bit more about what it is that you do on a daily basis? There's kind of two main components to what I do, and one is the writing part. So there are actually only about 25 or less master resume writers on the planet. It's pretty difficult. And I am a master resume writer. So part of what I provide for my clients is their documents. So resume, cover letter, LinkedIn profile, the occasional executive bio, et cetera. And the other part of it is coaching. And so my space as a certified coach within the career coach realm is specifically in job search transition. So I work primarily with high achieving mid-level professionals who would like to move into the executive ranks. And I kind of think of myself as completing the loop for them. So they have all the goods. They're fantastic at what they do. They need help with maybe the interview piece or the job search strategy or the salary negotiation. So whatever piece that is, or in some cases, all of those pieces to really help them land. So in in my case, these clients are, there's a, a disconnect between what they're capable of achieving and the kind of job they're capable of getting and what they have been getting because they didn't have the skills that I can help them with. Well, Lisa, sounds like you do a lot of great things for the people that you work with. And I want to dive into some other things that sometimes thought of as ancillary to this sort of work. So I think you and I both agree on the importance of mindset and our thinking patterns. So can you share with us your definition of mindset and 
how you feel like it affects your thoughts? The best way to start with a definition of mindset is what it isn't. And it's not this Pollyanna, you know, pie in the sky, everything's great. Nobody wants to be happy when a family member dies or there's a COVID diagnosis or some other terrible medical diagnosis. We don't want to be happy about the fact that people are starving somewhere, right? To be mindset is being aware of and being in control of the full range of emotions and thinking on purpose what you want to think. I like the way my coach describes most of our our minds when we're not in this place of awareness. It's like a toddler running around with a knife. I've got some toddlers, so, so that sounds scary. Toddler with a knife, because we're totally not aware. It's playing in the background because the way that our brains work is it optimizes for efficiency. So when we continue to think a thought, it becomes a belief. And a belief is stored in our subconscious. So it's playing in the background and this tape that's labeled, this is who I am, or this is what I think about the world, or this is who I am in my job. And we don't even know it, right? And so the first step in mindset is that awareness. And I have a practice of writing down my thoughts every day and really looking at them and seeing, okay, are these thoughts going to get me where I want to go? So many people want to start their job search or frankly, anything in their life with the actions. And when they start with the actions and not the thoughts, this is what happens. I don't have a word for it. It's only, I just do that because not an integrity. There's not an alignment between what I believe and what I'm doing. And so if we go into the job search with a mindset such as there are no jobs out there or I'm not qualified or I'm too old. I call it the twos, like whatever the two is, old, young, I don't care. We are going to do one of two things. We're either going to put in a half effort for our job search, kind of mail it in, phone it in, or we're going to go through the motions with the wrong energy. Employers smell that stuff, right? It's like sharks with blood in the water. They may not know what they're smelling, but they know something stinks and they will not choose you. And so having that mindset at the start. And here's what happens with folks with mindset, and especially as a job search. They think that they're starting out really well. They've, they've convinced themselves that they have a great mindset. There's no problem up there. And then they start going through the inevitable rejections, the non-responses, I call it the crickets of the job search. And because their mindset is really focused on the evidence that's going on out there, it's not an internal core knowing and belief in yourself and a commitment it starts to wane. And so I see these folks as time goes on, it just sort of trends downward. And so really having that mindset at the outset, but also making sure that that mindset is staying where you want it to throughout the job search. And that's where I think one of the many benefits of having a coach as you go through this process to really call you on. I had a client today and I said, okay, so here's what you had committed to do for the last two weeks. I didn't do any of it. We just stopped right there. There was no point in talking about the actions at that. We had to go back and figure out what was she thinking for the last couple of weeks that kept her from doing the things. And so it has to start with that. And that to me is what mindset is. It's the full awareness, the full spectrum of emotions and choosing what you want to think on purpose and practicing those thoughts so that they then become new neural pathways in your brain because you can create new pathways. You've already created one that's thinking something stinking. I call it chicken salad thinking. 
So this is back in the day when we had buffets. I don't know if they still live anymore after COVID, but buffets. So you go up to this buffet and there's this amazing, there's desserts, there's vegetables, there's salads, main, it's all gorgeous. You don't pick any of that. You go in the back, in the left-hand corner, there's some suspicious looking chicken salad back there. It's got like a crust over the top of it. Pretty sure you're going to have food poisoning if you eat that. That's the thing you choose out of this gorgeous buffet. And that's what so many of us do with our thinking. We have this, we just think whatever we want. My coach says we're all delusional. We might as well be delusional in our own favor. And instead of picking any of those wonderful choices for thoughts, we go back and pick the nasty chicken salad. And so many job seekers, I found, really just, as you said, either have those two beliefs or they just don't believe in themselves at all. Sometimes once they can get over that, then the actions, not just what they do, but how they do it becomes so much more effective because of the way that they're thinking through this. I tell people all the time, part of the process of landing a new job opportunity is a company has to believe that you are the right person. But if you don't believe in yourself, then how are you going to help them believe that you can really be a great fit for their role? And I love some of the things you're talking about here with mindsets. Now, we talked a little bit before we started recording here that you've done some work with Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School. And she has a specific model, I understand, that she created of how she thinks the world works. Can you tell us a little bit more about what this model is and how it affects us in our actions? This model has changed my world. And, and if I go back to the genesis with Brooke, I had a friend here in town who was familiar with her podcast. And I, at that point, which is kind of funny to think about this, because I didn't know, I really didn't know what a podcast was. Now I've put out 180 some episodes of my own. But I was like, okay, where is this? How do I do it? And I was planning a big, long trip of about a thousand miles each way to see my one of my kids. And so I figured it out, got it on my phone and I listened to Brooke Castillo, never heard her. So I started with episode one, which is dicey for a lot of podcasts, but for Brooke, she was on it from day one. And I remember just being like, I'm going to explode. I have to like take a break. I'm, my mind is so blown from all of this stuff. Her model is the central kind of tenant of everything that she does. It's her observation of the way the world works from all of the research that she did and the different kind of thinkers in this area. And it's C-T-F-A-R. So C is circumstance, T is thought, F is feeling, A is action, R is results. So what we have here is there's a circumstance. I'll throw out an example here. So let's look at the in the job search. So the circumstance would be I was furloughed from my job on January 1st. I've been out of work for X number of days. There's no emotion. It's neutral. Now, we may think that being out of work since January is a negative thing, but it's not. There's plenty of people that have been out of work since January and they're happy as pigs in mud. So we just have this circumstance, right? It's the thought that we have about that circumstance that affects how we feel and what we do and the results we get. So if we think that the circumstances, I've been unemployed since January 1st, and we think it's been eight months. How will I ever get it? I'm unemployable. How will I get a job? Those thoughts are not going to lead you where you want. You're going to feel defeated, depressed, unworthy, like any kind of negative emotion. And your actions are probably going to have something to do with pulling the covers up over your head. This is not going to get you a job. And then what's going to happen is you're going to think that the reason you don't have a job is because you've been unemployed for so long. This is not the truth. You don't have a job because you're not looking for a job because you think you can't get a job and you feel crappy. 
On the other hand, you could choose from that same circumstance, I've been unemployed since January 1, to think, I'm really excited about looking for a job now, or I have new tools, whatever the situation is, right? So thinking a more positive thought, and it, it has to be a thought that you can believe, right? So you don't go from, I don't have a chance, I'm unemployable, to I'm the best employee they ever had. But what is a thought that you could believe that moves you in the right direction? So maybe you go from, I'm unemployable to, I could get a new job. Well, that's an improvement. We're moving in the right direction. And that's likely to create a feeling of maybe hopefulness, encouragement, possibility. That's going to cause you to do different things in your job search and show up in a different way in your job search. And you're going to get different results. So again, it's not about what you're doing or not doing. It's about what you're thinking that creates those those actions or inactions or reactions. So that's kind of in a nutshell what Brooks model is. What do you think when people are moving through that, how do they go through that process of really separating those circumstances from those thoughts about the circumstances? So a lot of times we attach those thoughts and those beliefs maybe to the actual situation that we're in. Those thoughts are often connected to interpretations of the circumstance, right? So how do we separate those so we can see what's true and what we're kind of impressing upon the situation with our own thoughts. So helpful to have a coach for something like this, because I will tell you that even though I am a certified coach and I have used this tool with my clients for years, and I have been a student of the Life Coach School in their self-coaching scholars program, I can go to lunch with my friend Jane, who is also a coach and who has also gone through self-coaching scholars. She'll be like, okay, so what's going on with you? What's the circumstance? And I will give her all kinds of thoughts. So I'm still not aware. So having someone who can look at you with that perspective is just such a helpful thing. The next best thing is something like, I highly recommend Brooke's podcast because that's going to be really good hands. Her self-coaching scholars program is fantastic. So having, whether it's a one-on-one coach, a group coaching program, or you know something like that that helps you to get that perspective. And at minimum, your own writing down those thoughts. It's just a little tricky when you don't have somebody to help you to say, oh, wait a minute, you're putting it in the circumstance line and it's not. It's not a circumstance, it's your thought. So really having help, especially in the early phases. I know Brooke did a, a book and I sound like I'm I'm her representative or something, but I am love her dearly. But she wrote a book, Self-Coaching 101. I don't know if you can get it on Amazon, but it does kind of walk you through the model and how to use it. So that might be something that's available to people. I just want to take a quick break here and once again, recognize our sponsor for this podcast episode, Washington State University. The Engineering and Technology Management Program at Washington State University is a systematic approach to professional development for practicing engineers to shift from fully technical positions into leading technical employees and systems. A fully online master's degree program, students take classes at night and often implement class lessons in their positions at work before the next class. Learn more about a master's degree in engineering and technology management at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm at wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. We talked a lot about mindsets and controlling and acknowledging and realizing being more aware of our thoughts and beliefs. 
Now let's get into other pieces of your expertise here. Now you are a, a career coach extraordinaire. And as you said, a master resume writer, there's, I'm sure people who are listening now who are trying to figure out how to make that next transition or maybe you're out of a job. What tips and strategies can you share to help them through that process? I came up with three that I wanted to share with the audience today. And, and one is to really understand the concept between passive job search strategies and active job search strategies. So passive strategies are ones where you are in the passenger seat of the vehicle. You don't have any control over when it leaves, where it goes, where it, when it gets there. And then active strategies, you are in the driver's seat. So when we look at passive strategies, we're talking about job boards, any of that kind of thing, right? Even talking to recruiters is a passive strategy because you can't control when they reach out to you and what they have available to them. It's actually a very passive strategy. Whereas active strategies center around networking and getting out and having conversations with people. And to be clear, there are the conversations that you can have with people around posted positions. So we're taking a passive job search strategy, a job board, we're making it a little bit more active, but it's still a passive strategy. We just move the needle a little bit. I'm talking about networking, about my fit with your organization. There's no job posted, perhaps. There may not be a job available, or maybe it just hasn't made it into the job boards yet. There can be all kinds of reasons. But great companies, if you've ever read Good to Great, will find the right people, put them in the right seat on the bus. And they are not, you know, when we think about the way we hire in the state, it's almost backwards, right? We come up with this laundry list of things we want, and then we go try to find somebody. What if we find a great person and put them in the right place? And so the passive strategies are going to, again, keep us in that passenger seat. We want to focus on active. And my ratio is when you're right out of college, I want you to have 25% active, 75% passive. So you can still find a lot of things on job boards at that entry level. But I do want you to start utilizing active strategies because you're going to need them more and more as you go through your career. And if you don't learn that skill, it's going to be harder and, and more of a learning curve later on. As you're kind of mid-career, I want it 50-50. And then when you're at the executive ranks, at most, I want 25% job boards, but I would prefer 0% job boards and all of it because your jobs just don't exist. So that's concept number one is being aware of that. And one of the things that I do with my clients when they're going through job search coaching with me, I was doing it with a client today, is we look at, okay, which are the passive strategies and which are the active strategies that you're going to engage in? We don't want to do everything. We want to do a few things and do it very well. And then in each of those strategies, what are the specific action steps that you're going to take so that you can calendar in those action steps and you know exactly what you're going to be doing for that hour of that day? Number two, <laughs> the answer is yes. So I've had a lot of people lately because I think with what has happened in the world in terms of the job search landscape, I'm getting all kinds of questions around, should I? Whatever it is, should I reach back out? So today it was, I got a rejection from a company I really want to work for. Should I circle back around to the recruiter? The answer is yes. What is the downside of doing it, right? Unless you're asking me, you know, should I run naked through the lobby of the company I want to work for? No, no. But for most things, everything else, I want you to say yes. Should I reach back out? Should I ask them one more time? Should I ask them for feedback about how I performed in the interview and why I wasn't offered the job? Yes. What's the downside? So the answer is yes. Number three is a concept I call professional stalking. 
and this really ties into the yes thing, right? So getting creative about how you find people that are key decision makers in the company you want to work for. And especially if your network isn't getting you where you want to go relative to that company in that department, that decision maker, everybody's lives are on social media. So do some homework on there and figure out, you know, do they belong to a rotary club? If so, which one and when does it meet? And you just coincidentally show up. Now, the key to professional stalking is never tell the person you're stalking that you're stalking them. So you always want to act surprised when you meet them. I like to use the example, and this was pre-COVID, but I would spend Wednesday mornings every week at a particular coffee shop in town with a colleague of mine, and we would just do our work together there just to get out of our offices. And I would post about that. I had done some, I'd made comments on my podcast. So anybody that paid any attention would know if they wanted to run into Lisa Edwards, they needed to show up at the Red Eye Coffee Shop on Capitol Circle in Tallahassee, Florida on Wednesday mornings. So you can find that out. So there are opportunities, especially now that the world is opening back up, to interact and, and intersect with the people that you want to talk to. So that's the third thing I wanted to share. I love that split and kind of that balance of the active and the passive thing and ways that we need to go about this. And, and as you say, as we progress more and more in our careers, the quality and the importance of those relationships and whether or not the jobs that you would be seeking for even exist on job boards, you know, just diminishes more and more. So it's critical that we start learning how to do those things earlier and earlier. And I love some of those other tips you shared there too. Our audience is mostly engineers. To broaden this out beyond job searching and really achieving any goal in our life, what are your thoughts on how engineers who maybe sometimes deal with some stereotypes and things that we put them in boxes, but to be able to expand their own thoughts and ways that they're thinking to really better serve them and achieve some goals that they set in life that may be different or outside of the box of what a typical engineer would be doing. What up engineers, you guys? I love working with engineers. So straightforward. There's they are different. I always think about you guys used to work in higher education and they would have a, a fair for the new students, right? So all the organizations on campus and you could go up to a table and learn about the fraternity or whatever. And they were all pretty straightforward. Here's a pamphlet or, you know, whatever. The engineers were over there blowing something up. I was like, you guys are just a different breed. I love it. <laughs> Getting something to, you know, fly across the room or whatever. So in terms of the mindset piece, we've talked about the fact that awareness has to be that first step. So developing a practice where you become aware of what you are thinking and biases that you are having and deciding on purpose whether you want to think those thoughts are, is that thought going to get me where I want to go? Is it true? Maybe. Maybe this person that I don't like at work is actually a, a PETA is what we call them. <laughs> I'll let you draw a conclusion on what that stands for. But maybe they really are a jerk, right? It doesn't mean that we have to think negative thoughts about them. That is our real estate. Our brain is our own real estate and we get to think what we want. And again, I'm not talking about Pollyanna. I'm not talking about, oh, Bob is the best thing ever in the world. But can I go from thinking that Bob is a jerk? Can I go from thinking my boss is a jerk? Can I go from thinking I hate my job to I have a job? Bob is my boss. Well, that's better than thinking Bob is, is a jerk. 
So I've moved the needle a little bit and I'm doing it for my own benefit. I am making my experience of my job, of my coworkers, whatever it is, any area of my life, I'm making it better. So I am serving myself in, in that regard. And then again, practicing more positive thoughts that serve me better, that will get me where I want to go. So what do I need to think to overcome this situation, to deal with this circumstance at work? And really looking at, it's a term that Brooke uses and I, and I really like it, and it's called a manual, right? So we often have manuals for other people how we think they should behave. We don't write it down anywhere. We don't bother to share it with them, which is probably a good thing because I can't imagine how good it would go over if we gave our coworker a large three-ring binder. This is how you're going to behave at work because this is what I need from you. But we do tend to think that. We think that about our significant other, our children, family members, and our coworkers. And really looking at that, right? So if Bob has, Bob didn't say good morning to me this morning. And Bob has always said good morning. I get to choose what to make that mean. I get to decide that Bob hates me, if that's available to me. I get to think Bob must be having a bad morning. He's probably not having a good time. Maybe something went on at home. You know, I get to decide what to make that mean. But if I start putting my biases onto Bob, Bob should always say hello to me. Then that's when I run into problems. So we have to be really careful about that. So that first step is awareness. And the second step is deciding on purpose what we want to think about things and being aware of, you know, we can't control anybody else, which should be a very uh, liberating thought. For many of us, we want to control the universe. And I'm super guilty of this. I literally have caught myself trying to coach animals outside like a squirrel, like You're never going to be able to get up that tree at the rate you're going. I literally try to coach inanimate objects and animals. So not serving me, by the way, (laughs) but really being aware of what we are, what our expectations of other people are, and just really being in control of our own emotions and our own thoughts and our own feelings and letting the other people be the other people because that's, they're going to do what they're going to do anyway, and we can't control them. And as soon as we realize that we're in a lot better spot. This reminds me of is a quote by Brene Brown, who's a well-known author and and TED Talk. She has a quote that says, in the absence of data, we make up stories. And so when we don't know something, we're trying to fill in that gap. And it's not always the best story that we come up with to fill that gap. Whether or not why someone rejected us when we're going through a job search or why someone said something to us that we didn't appreciate whatever, we're often making up these stories about what we believe about this person. We're crafting that manual, as you say. Perfect example. I had a client recently and she said that, actually, I think it might've been a guest on my podcast, but she said she went in for performance review with her boss. And at that time she asked for a salary increase and the boss just said no, and there was nothing. And she didn't push it, but she felt really hurt by that. She had a whole story about she wasn't valued, like blah, blah, the chicken salad thinking. Sometime later, she went back to the boss to ask for clarification on why he said no. And the answer was, it's not time for, we don't do raises this time of year. We do raises in September. And I fully plan to give you a very good raise in September. So it was so interesting. Her mind went to the worst possible place and she had all this mind drama that could have been avoided if she'd have just asked the question. Renee was having this discussion with a number of people that she was 
working with and, and talking to about like, hey, do you believe that people are doing the best they can? And some people said, no way. I know people who do this, this, and that. And I just like, no way they're doing the best they can if they do that. And then some people would say, yeah, I, I think most people are. And she had this discussion with her husband, and this was really impactful with her. And her husband, Steve, thought about it for a second and said, I don't know if everyone is, but I know that at least when I think that they are, it makes me feel better. So that was an interesting way to, to think about it. Like, hey, if we can suspend judgment for a little bit, give people a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and consider what could be possible there instead of jumping to those assumptions and conclusions. As you've talked about through this whole episode, we can decide what level of thoughts we want. And, and sometimes we need help from someone else to help us see that. Yeah, asking those questions to get that clarification coming from a place of curiosity, not judgment or criticism, but just, I want to understand why you said no to me when I asked you for a raise. I want to understand why you reacted this way when I made the comment in the in the meeting. So important because our brains do tend to want to, and I don't know about you, but whenever I go off on those tangents, I am rarely, if ever, anywhere near reality, nowhere near it. Well, Lisa, this has been such a fun discussion. I'm curious to end off this segment. Is there any other final piece of advice you would give our listeners? When it comes to the job search, the definition of insanity, I think, is appropriate here, right? So the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and getting different results. And I love it when I talk to prospective clients and they tell me, you know, I've been applying on job boards for a year and I haven't gotten a job. And so I ask them, well, what are you, how are you correcting for that? How are you solving for this problem? And they say, well, I'm applying to more jobs online. So we have to shake it up, right? So thinking about that definition of insanity and being willing to be brave, but also trying things, not being afraid to say, okay, yes, like I talked about earlier, the answer is always yes. So how about if this time I go to this meeting where I think this key person is going to be, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to go in there. And then for all, by all means, give yourself a reward. If it is really hard for you to network and engineers, we know are not known for their great networking desires and ability sometimes. So if that's a really tough thing for you to do and you do it anyway, then give yourself a reward, whatever reward looks like for you, but give yourself something to kind of pat yourself on the back for doing the hard thing. Well, thanks so much for this. At this point, we're going to transition into the Take Action Today segment of the show, where we'll get one more final thought from Lisa that you can take action on right away. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Now, Lisa, we've had a great discussion today. I'm curious, what's one final piece of advice that you'd have for our listeners to really take action, especially for those who are moving through the job search process and trying to find something new? The main thing I want to say is to calendar in your job search. So whether you are working full-time and doing a job search, or you are unemployed and your job search is your full-time job, you want to mark off time on your calendar. And it's not just enough to say, I'm going to job search from 10 to 12 on Tuesday. We want to be specific about what those actions are. And there's a couple of reasons for this, and which I'll talk about. What I mean by being specific in that calendar is, you know, don't just put LinkedIn, put, okay, I'm going to ask 25 people to connect with me. 
I'm going to send out birthday, anniversary, promotion, new job, congratulations to everybody in my uh, notifications. I'm going to thank everybody who's connected with me since the last time I was on there. And the reason that this is a good idea, a couple of reasons, my brain is just as capable of anybody else's as anybody else's of saying, oh, I don't really need to do that today. Look, there's nothing on, it just says job search. Well, I can do that tomorrow. I have a much harder time. My brain has a harder time convincing me that I don't need to do this if I've got five things in my calendar that I'm supposed to do during that block of time. First of all, we're reserving the time. We're holding it as sacred. And then second of all, we have a plan so that A, we don't talk ourselves out of spending that time in job search, but also we don't spend half the time figuring out how to use the time. And by the time we figure out what we want to do with the time, the time is over. Really having that structure around your job search. And then, as I mentioned a moment ago, when you do those things, so you've got an hour and you've got five things to do and you do them all, reward yourself. Do not wait until you get the new job to give yourself a reward. That is the ultimate reward. Give yourself daily or at minimum weekly rewards for getting the things done because that steady stream of effort is what will give you the results you're looking for. Thanks so much for that. And I hope people are able to take something from that and and take some serious action. So thanks so much for our conversation today, Lisa. If people are interested in connecting with you, learning more about some of the things that you do, or interested in the podcast that you host, can you share more about how they can get in contact with you? They want to reach out to me via email. It's Lisa and it's L-E-S-A at exclusivecareercoaching.com. My podcast is The Exclusive Career Coach. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So I would say find me on LinkedIn. My URL is Lisa Career Coach. But if you look up Lisa Edwards, I've got, as I like to say, big old feet on LinkedIn. I've got a big footprint, so I'm easy to find. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure and uh, hope to stay in contact together. Absolutely, Jeff. The pleasure is all mine. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, or questions. You can go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And don't forget to check our upcoming live webinar for this month at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for any engineers who are struggling with unemployment or uncertain about how to make an intentional career transition, I've also created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.